What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined by J.J. Cooper and Josh Norris joining us as well. Guys, a really fun kind of final 24 hours of the trade deadline. There were a lot of questions of, okay, is anything going to happen here? There wasn't a lot of movement. And then starting last night with the uh, Trevor Bauer, Gassiel Puy, Grand Mill Reyes deal, things really started to pick up and today things certainly got wild. I want to talk first and foremost about the two teams that were probably the most active. You know, winners, losers, some of that's subjective, but most active, and that would be the Braves and the Astros. Uh, I think a lot of focus is on the Astros, but I actually want to start with the Braves, JJ. Earlier this season, you and I talked about their bullpen, the disaster it was, how nothing was going well. Uh, they made some changes. They acquired Anthony Swarzak and Jerry Blevins. They brought up Jacob Webb and Tuki Toussaint. And in the last two days, they just completely rebuilt the back of their bullpen, acquiring Chris Martin, Mark Melanson, Shane Green, traded from their enviable pitching prospect depth. For me, it just really stood out how the Braves were aggressive about rebuilding a weakness, whereas some other teams we'll talk about later really were not. I do think it worked out well for them that they were looking to rebuild the bullpen. And if they're, and we could get to talk about the Nationals too on this, if there is a, a group that you can rebuild on the fly at the trade deadline, it's the bullpen. And that's exactly what the Braves did. And you look at it, not only did they rebuild it, but I would describe it as they spent money. You know, Mark Melanson's $14 million for next year is going to be on the Braves books. And they spent prospects. But when I say they spent prospects, I don't think that there's much like the, uh, the, the Kevin Gossman trade last year, where they acquired Kevin Gossman and traded away prospects who I did not feel like really had any future with the Braves. And let's be honest. I like John Carlos Encarnacion probably better than most, but I would imagine that most Orioles and Braves fans would struggle to name the uh, players in that deal now uh, who went to uh, Baltimore. But much like that, I feel like that the players the Braves gave up are players who quite simply did not have really futures with them. Travis Demerit, Joey Wentz, Colby Allard are, are guys who – Maybe they'll play somewhere else, but I did not see them playing in Atlanta in any significant role in 2019, 2020, or 2021. You know, all three of these guys were kind of famous in part because they were Braves prospects. The Braves were the number one farm system at Baseball America two years in a row. But Colby Allard and Joey Wentz, I think, have become more famous than maybe they're perceived talent-wise by evaluators now. 
You hear a lot of maybe they're fifth starters, maybe they're depth starters. Uh, Josh, you've, uh, you've done some work on both of these guys as well. I mean, for you, what did the Braves get here and how low was the acquisition cost? I don't think they paid a, a whole lot to do it. Like JJ said, Wentz was, you know, uh, a guy who probably wasn't going to contribute a whole lot to the Braves in the, in the long run. And Travis Demerit too, didn't really figure in, in, uh, in their plans either. Um, I think they did a really good job to get green and, uh, yeah, I, I think they did a really good job today. The Astros acquired the biggest fish, bringing in Zach Greinke. And, oh, by the way, buying low on Aaron Sanchez. They did have to give up some guys that were notable to do it. Corbin Martin was a top 100 prospect, though he's currently out having Tommy John surgery. Um, we see Seth Beer and J.B. Bukowskis are two very well-known collegians, first-round picks. Uh, and even, uh, you know, the fourth guy, Josh Rojas, was uh, number 16 in their system. That being said, while all these guys had a chance at some point to contribute to Houston, Bukowskis and, and uh, Martin especially, I don't think anyone would look at this and say, oh, man, they overpaid for Zach Greinke. I mean, this was a team that needed another starter or two and, and got arguably the best one on the market. Yeah, and, and they did it. Uh, yes, they're going to spend some money also. I mean, this is – he has a remaining two years, seventy million dollars, which is a lot. But, but he's Zach Greinke. He, you know, he looks like he's going to be a quality pitcher through the end of that deal. But the other thing that stands out to me is, is I, you just mentioned it. That trade made perfect sense all the way around to me. I like it for the Astros. I like it for the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks traded out from under seventy million dollars to Zach Greinke, replaced him with two very interesting pitching prospects. Uh, a slugger who I don't know where he's going to play defensively, but at the same time he can hit and Seth Beer and a kind of a versatile, not too far away from the big leagues kind of type in Josh Rojas, you know, who can play a little bit of everywhere and can hit that trade made a whole lot of sense all the way around. I can, I can give you no explanation for the blue Jays Astros trade where I, I felt like the blue Jays gave up, the two best players in the deal in Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini and got back Derek Fisher, who if you like Derek Fisher, he's kind of like Teoscar Hernandez, who, you know, they got a couple of years ago from the Astros, who's kind of really a fourth outfielder who maybe if everything breaks right, he's a, uh, you know, he's a regular, but he has failed to, uh, to prove that he can do that so far. Yeah. The Blue Jays are an interesting team here. I, I want to finish with the Diamondbacks real quick. I think they pulled off the very difficult trick of, you know, quote unquote, selling their best player without actually necessarily selling. There's still a, a pretty good team there. You mentioned bringing in Zach Gallon and Mike Leake, two guys that can plug into the rotation right now. This is a team that's three and a half games out of the wild card. And I don't look at them and say, you know, there's zero chance here. I think they actually still have a pretty good team. Um, obviously, they have some teams that have to leapfrog, whether they can do that without Zach, that cranky, you know, who knows. But um, I do think Mike Hazen and uh, Ami Alsade did a really nice job in terms of both building for the future without taking an enormous step back. Uh, but the Blue Jays, you know, we talked about them last year. Last year, I highlighted them as the team I felt had the worst trade deadline because they traded uh, six big leaguers and basically didn't get much of anything back. This year, they traded Marcus Stroman um, for a package that now looks exceedingly light uh, compared to the Trevor Bauer deal. They also, as you mentioned, just made this move, trading Aaron Sanchez at the lowest point, really, of his value, and gave up the two best players in the deal for a guy who might be a fourth outfielder. This is the second year in a row the Blue Jays at the trade deadline have made some 
puzzling moves, I guess you could say. Anthony Kay is a good pitcher. Simeon Woods Richardson's a promising pitcher. Josh, you know, you've been watching this team for a while. You know what they're up against going up in the AL East. Um, when you look at the Blue Jays and just kind of what they're doing to supplement the impressive homegrown position player core they have, does any of it make sense? Is it enough? Well, first of all, I want to go back because I didn't really get a chance to jump in on the Diamondbacks and say that I, I absolutely love what they did today. Zach Granke moving to the Astros is, is great, but the way the Diamondbacks were able to thread the needle and get out from under some of his contracts and you know, add guys like Corbin Martin and Zach Gallen and J.B. Bukowskis and Seth Beer and Mike Leake with all in one fell swoop was amazing. That was a crazy balancing act. It pulled off incredibly well. And you, I think, you know, their scouts and executives deserve to take a bow for what they pulled off today. Agreed. Uh, as for the Blue Jays, you know, it's going to be a little while. Obviously, they traded a really talented young arm in Aaron Sanchez. And they, you know, we're, we're seeing a preview of what they're going to be with guys like Bo Bichette and Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Uh, up in the big leagues now. But it's going to take a little while. They've got guys like Sean Reed Foley coming through the wings, but it's going to be a problem, you know, in the, in the AL East. The Rays are coming hard. The Yankees have money to spend. The Red Sox have money to spend. It's just going to be very, very difficult for them to get to the zenith of that division or the, uh, the apex of that division anytime soon, I think. And the, the thing I just wanted to add on that, though, is, is what really baffles me about this is they didn't need to trade Aaron Sanchez. They didn't need to trade Joe B. and Gigi. And Again, even if you like Derek Fisher, it is not that hard to find a Derek Fisher caliber of outfielder on the free agent market this offseason at a not a bust your budget kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, rate. And so I, I like you said, Kyle, Aaron Sanchez, why do you trade Aaron Sanchez? He had a better July. But why do you trade Aaron Sanchez? at a time when his value is kind of diminished, when you're not looking at it saying, okay, well, we're going to lose Aaron Sanchez at the end of the year, you know, if we try to, you know, hold on to him. So it's not something where they, uh, look, we saw today the, the value of rentals. <laughs> Nick Castellanos says, hi, the value of rentals is really, really thin, but that's not what Aaron Sanchez was. And again, it just, it did baffle me. So we've established the Astros and Diamondbacks are two teams, and the Braves. Those three teams really had a very successful deadline. The Blue Jays were probably the most confusing deadline. Two teams that did very, very little. And again, I don't like the title losers, but two teams that you come out of this saying, huh, are the Yankees and Dodgers. And for me, the way I look at it, the Yankees not adding a starter, you can excuse it a little bit in the sense that they just don't have the farm system to depth to deal from. Uh, this is a bottom 10 farm system in baseball. They have some young, interesting guys, but – they alone weren't going to get them a Zach Greinke-esque starter, maybe even a Robbie Ray-esque starter. They were going to have to trade young big leaguers, and you understand why they didn't want to do that. For me, the Dodgers not making any moves to address their bullpen outside of trading Nico Holsizer for Adam Kollerick is, is probably the most baffling because you look at what the Nationals did, the caliber of prospects they traded to go get three big league relievers. The Dodgers could have matched that without hurting themselves in the long term really over short-term or long-term. Uh, you even look at the Shane Green trade. 
the Dodgers pretty easily could have matched that again without hurting themselves long term as as the Braves were able to do and they just didn't do it they didn't make the moves um you know they have some guys that can call up Tony Gonsolin had a forning save last night he's a good arm but the Dodgers needed Dustin May's coming up to pitch for him this week so they you know that's going to be their big addition it seemed like they, they have arms but they could have added two three four bullpen arms like we saw a lot of other teams do and match those prices and not given up anything that would have really hurt them long term. And they chose not to. And I think for me, that's just a missed opportunity. Uh, we saw how the weakness of that bullpen, the last World Series, really cost them. Uh, and really, uh, it cost them a little bit as well in the previous World Series. And it just seems like they could have, should have, would have learned from those mistakes in years past. And they didn't. They could have made moves to improve, and they didn't. And for me, that's why it's probably the most disappointing trade deadline of any team. I mean, I. I, my my Twitter is full of nothing but uh, very angry Yankees fans that they didn't add a thing outside of Alfredo Garcia. So I'm a little uh, my my Twitter experience is kind of colored there. But you know I think they could have done something. I I'm stunned that they didn't do anything. I would have traded. There's nobody in that farm system I wouldn't trade, and I don't know what they're planning on doing with Clint Frazier, but. That seemed like a chip that was out there. Um, people still like Esteban Floreal, and they did nothing. They have a starting rotation that is melting down a little bit, as we've seen in the last uh, couple weeks or so. I guess they're banking on getting Luis Severino and um, Dylan Batanzas back in the next few weeks or so, but they had a weakness that they needed to address, and they didn't do it. I will say this, one thing that um, changes it a little bit, where you could argue I think the Yankees had the quote-unquote worst trade deadline, the Astros left them. You know, those were two teams at the top of the American League. With the Astros with their additions, they have become the favorite over the Yankees. The Dodgers, even though they didn't do anything, you can probably still look at them and say, you know, that's probably still the best team in the National League, although the gap has closed, again, with the Cubs adding Nick Castellanos, uh, the Braves going in fortifying their bullpen the Nationals to agree for fortifying theirs. So that's where I do see the argument of the Yankees maybe missing a greater opportunity is they're no longer the favorites in their, in their league, whereas the Dodgers, you can argue, probably still are. The other thing with that, though, is, this, I mean, again, I do see where the, the problem for the Yankees is, is that the thing they needed was starting pitching, and starting pitching was the one thing that was still expensive on the, on the, on the market. Although, I mean, we you know, saw for Marcus Stroman. I yeah, think they could have matched that. Okay, I could say, yeah, I could construct a, if you said their version of that deal would have probably have been, you know, let's say Debbie Garcia and Luis Gill, you know, which I think absolutely would match or better what the Mets offered. I mean, that, that would make sense to me that you could say that that would be a, uh, uh, you know, and again, I, I, Josh, you know the Yankees system, you know, the best of the three of us, I think. And, like, I really, you know, Luis Gill is the best of that group who has kind of been in Charleston for most of the year. But, mm -hmm. I, you know, if you said, is he the most likely to turn out to be a successful starter? But it's not by he's a slam dunk out of that group. There's, there's a lot of arms on that team, and it could be that someone else emerges and ends up being the best of that group, isn't it? Right. I mean, Al, the, he and Alexander Vizcayeno just got promoted to Tampa the other day. Alexander Vizcayeno is up to 99 miles an hour with uh, a nasty changeup and a coming breaking ball. Uh, Luis Gill is up to 99 miles an hour with a nasty breaking ball and a coming changeup. 
you know? They have, <laughs> and Medina has better stuff than either of them. Yeah, well, he has his own issues, but, he, and, but he's in Charleston. They have a factory of high-velocity right-handed arms. I've said it many, many times. I'd be wrong if I did it, but I could do a top 30 in their system with just right-handed arms, and they'd be all some manner of prospect. Definitely a missed opportunity for the Yankees and Dodgers. We'll see if it comes back to haunt them in the postseason. Um, you know, before we wrap up here, got to hit the other headliner. And that, for me, was the three-team deal we saw, uh, the Indians trading Trevor Bauer to the Reds, acquiring Fernando Reyes and Yasiel Puig, the Padres ending up with the top-ranked prospect traded in this July 31st deadline, or this month of July, I should say, with Taylor Trammell. Just what are your guys' overall thoughts as you saw this break? Did your first thought go toward the Indians, the Reds, or the Padres? JJ, let's start with you. I, for, for me, I got to say the Reds just because I do not want to fault a team for trying to succeed because let's just be honest, in 2019, there's, you know, there, that's been a problem for some teams. But, but I do look at it and I look at what the Reds have done now last offseason and now this year at the deadline. And essentially – they have not moved all their chips, but they have moved a lot of their chips in on trying to succeed in 19 and 20. They traded away uh, Jeter Downs and Josiah Gray in the offseason for a package of, of players that, you know, that really were all largely aimed to help them succeed in 19 and, and in some cases 20. And then you do the Trevor Bauer deal. I mean, they, the Sunny Gray acquisitions have been a very nice acquisition, but you do now do the Trevor Bauer deal, which Trevor Bauer will be a free agent after the 2020 season. And the problem I have with that is I just don't know if, uh, barring them spending a significant amount of money in the offseason, which does not seem like something that the Reds have, have really had the, uh, either the ability or the willingness to do, I don't think that this is a team. I think this is a team that really the goal in 2020 with Trevor Bauer on the team is to try to make a wild card game. And if that's all it is, you know, I, I think that the ownership is really consistently pushes to, you know, they, they don't want a long-term view. They want to have success now, but I, I just look at it and I, I don't see it for 2020 barring some, uh, some further uh, very successful moves. And that's where kind of I went because I just look at that and on the heels of the Puig Wood and all the moves that they made in the offseason, I kind of asked the question of, you know, what happens if you're a rebuilding team who doesn't make the playoffs and you get to 2021 you say, well, our 19 and 20 push didn't work. And that's something that they're going to have to deal with. Uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. Josh, what about for you, that three-team deal? Where did your mind first go? Oh, man, I love what the Indians did. I love, love, love what the Indians did. The outfield was one of their biggest areas of weakness. And they added, I mean, I know Fran Mil Reyes isn't going to win any gold gloves in the outfield, and he might be a part-time DH. Uh, but they got two big, hairy monsters to add to their lineup, and they got one for, like, four more years. That's fantastic. And then they added a prospect in Scott Moss, and they added another one in Victor Nova, uh, and I think I'm missing someone in here, but they, I, I could not believe that they collected so many assets in that deal. And again, they added some stuff for, for now while they're, you know, battling for a playoff spot, some stuff for the future. 
and some stuff at both the upper and lower levels of the farm system. I, I don't know if that could have turned out much better for him. I agree. I thought the Indians, that was really a masterstroke on their part. But since you guys hit the, uh, the two other teams, I feel like I have to chip in on the third one here being the Padres. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing that just came to mind with this is the Padres are taking a huge, 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 huge risk here on their player development. Uh, they traded a big league, 24-year-old, middle-of-the-order, impact hitter, homegrown, fan favorite, clubhouse favorite, an impact hitter in the major leagues, which is what you try and hope you develop. And when you successfully develop them, you generally want to keep them. They traded that as well as a top 100 left-handed pitching prospect. It's a big risk as much as Taylor Trammell is very talented. He has not been hitting in double A. AJ Pro earlier today just spoke a little bit about, you know, they see all the components of you know, strike zone discipline, athleticism. They see his struggles this year as, as a positive, something he can grow from. Uh, but they took a big risk. Anytime you're trading, you know, a big leaguer, a middle of the order impact big leaguer, uh, a top 100 pitching prospect, and a promising, you know, low level guy, and you get back one prospect, you essentially trade two big leaguers and a prospect for one other prospect. That's a big risk. And, and it's a bold bet on the Potters that they can unlock all of Taylor Trammell. And if they don't, it's going to come back to bite them in a very, very big way, especially if Fran Mo Reyes is hitting in the middle of the order in October for an Indians postseason team. So uh, that was my biggest takeaway, you know, not necessarily positive or negative for the Padres, but they took an enormous, enormous risk. And uh, it, you can see it going either way, and, and we'll see how it shakes out. No, I do think, uh, you know, it, it is – you mentioned about the Diamondbacks. I, I think the Indians even more so. It's very rare that you could trade one of your best players and in doing so, one, you know, because they're kind of nearing the end of their uh, – before they hit free agency and manage to do it and be able to kind of look your, your team in the eye and say, hey, we feel like we're a better team to contend this year and it's positioned us to be more successful in the long term because – as much as they will miss Trevor Bauer, their outfield was so bad that I can say that, you know, the, the additions they made in the outfield slash DH probably do exceed what they lose by, uh, by trading away Bauer. And that's, again, that's a hard thing to do. But my overarching theme again at the deadline, and this is where if I was, like you said, with the Dodgers, if I was a Dodgers fan, I would be frustrated. If I was, take your pick of your teams that just didn't do much, here at the deadline, I would be frustrated because the cost of doing something was just so minimal. You know, you mentioned the Cubs. Look at the Cubs. I know Nick Castellanos is Fran Mil Reyes-like defensively, and I know that Nick Castellanos is not having his best season. That said, the cost to add him was exceedingly modest. If you like, you know, Paul Richon and Alec Lane, the, you're talking about guys who, who could play have major league roles. Neither of those is a, is a future impact guy. Look at what the Nationals did, and much like the Braves, they completely reworked their bullpen. And I like some of those arms that they gave up, but they gave up guys who are going to be Rule 5 eligible at the end of the year and aren't sure bets to be protected. That is the definition of, you know, of having some value, but those are not – uh, you know, slam dunk prospects by any stretch. And again, it's just on the willingness to add, you know, to basically give up kind of guys who are prospects, but who are in most cases 15 to 30 on your prospect list. You, you do that every time. It, you, the, the teams that made moves 
in with very few exceptions. Again, you mentioned the Granky trade, but most of the trades today, and there were a lot of them, I think I counted 24, but most of the trades today, the, the teams that added major league talent did not give up massive amounts of prospect talent to do it. And uh, you play to win the game, and a lot of teams that made moves today played to win the game. If your team didn't, it does seem a little frustrating probably today because the cost was not that significant to, to be part of uh, to be part of the fun today. Josh, how about you? Any final thoughts on the deadline? You know, I've seen some people on Twitter and, uh, and elsewhere saying that this was uh, a boring deadline and there wasn't a lot of action. And I just can't believe that sentiment. There was a lot of action today. I feel like you said there were 24 trades. I felt like there were 40 in the last 60 seconds uh, that just kept popping up after the thing, after the, uh, the deadline hit, the 4 p.m. deadline hit. I, I don't understand why, why people think there was so little action. We got a blockbuster. We got yesterday. We got a player traded while he was fighting. We got, <laughs> we got uh, Marcus Stroman going to New York, but not the New York everybody thought he would. We got Trevor Bauer going to Cincinnati, of all places. It was a weird deadline for sure, but I don't think it lacked for any action or excitement. Yeah, I think, again, I just go back to people like to find a way to be aggrieved about something on social media, and most of the time it's not valid. So that's, that's my takeaway there. Uh, but yeah, just I guess just to wrap up for me, I mean, I'll keep it simple. Bravo to the, the Braves, the Astros, and, uh, and the Diamondbacks. Um, and the Indians. Yes, bravo to those teams. They, they've made themselves better uh, short-term and long-term, and that's all you can ask for at the deadline. Uh, JJ and Josh, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a fun, wild trade deadline. We've got trade write-ups for every single deal up on BaseballAmerica.com. If you want to find out anything and everything about who these prospects are that got traded, go ahead and check them out. We've got rankings for every prospect that was traded. Make sure and keep it here for all the latest. Uh, for Josh Norris and JJ Cooper, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.